The following podcast may contain adult language, bitter leftists, and welcoming queers. You've been warned. Or promised. It's the Shoot in the Sheet podcast, where three mumbly nerds get together to talk about all things tabletop RPGs and put out bad episodes. I'm Jay, he, him. I'm Miles, he, him. And I'm, uh, Jay, she, they. You had to think about it for a second, huh? No, I'm trying to adjust my face. Um, while I'm doing the podcast, I'm trying to keep a big, creepy, cheesy smile because it actually helps me keep my resonance up from dropping low. Hooray for the trans fucking experience if you so choose to, uh, do any voice work. And I'm doing a big, grumpy frown so that my voice has, is low and masculine. He's just doing his Patrick Warburton impression. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I wonder, like, how many uh, voice therapists trans uh, men would go to, and the therapist is just like, watch anything with Patrick Warburton in it. I'm talking B-movie, you can have Emperor's New Groove, you can even go back to the old Seinfeld. Oh, Venture Brothers is great, just listen to Patrick Warburton and be like, hey, hey, okay, maybe not Family Guy, but hey, Peter, I'm Patrick Warburton. I mean, maybe? I don't know, my, I mean, speech therapist is... Not like that. She didn't really say, hey, why don't you watch... Ooh, what's her face from Will and Grace? Uh, she played Karen. Can't think of her name right Fran now. Fran Drescher? Oh, you know what? That's even better. <laughs> Just watch The Nanny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. In ten years, every trans woman will sound like Fran Drescher. I don't know why you said, oh, God. This sounds like the future that liberals want. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, uh, come around, we ramble a lot, we talk about TTRPGs, we do some improv exercises, and, uh, what are we discussing this week, Miles? Um, oh, this week we are talking Life about- Life is an improv exercise. This week we are talking about making adjustments to, uh, canon as, like, a GM or a player- because, uh, you know, we've all sort of done that thing where it's like, okay, well, I don't want to build a setting up from scratch. I'll just use the latest D&D setting. But I don't like this part. I don't know if I really want to do this. This is this is our episode that is all about saying, yes, change canon if you don't like it. Like, say, maybe there's, uh, there's a module that just came out and it has a playable character race that is horrifyingly racist and you want to change that you don't have to wait for wizards to put out a half-assed statement uh sort of backpedaling on it you could say change it yourself but uh-oh miles we might get a visit from devil's advocate adeline Probably hey not. everybody oh, it's god. me devil's adeline oh my god that was really loud and in my ear and i think if people want to play games that are different than their political voices, they should go somewhere else to play a different game. That's not quite the angle I was going to approach this with, but love your energy. A and you. Alright. So it's been a while since we've recorded. Yeah, it's been even longer since we put out an episode, because uh, as it turns out, sometimes we record episodes that are just straight up bad, y'all. Uh, and luckily enough, luckily enough, Jay is a good editor, and we'll be like, hey, this isn't worth putting up, and I trust her. <laughs> if you say I it's think not worth putting up, I believe you. That's fair. I, I think we need to start uh, maybe doing some uh, extra oops all RPG horror stories, just like record a couple of those. 
and just tuck those away for a rainy day. So when our episode is just bad, it's like, okay, no worries, I got this, fam. Yeah, yeah, maybe oh, but we should. You were mentioning that since we last put out an episode, the RPG space has changed quite a bit. A lot of things have been happening. Do you have any news stories in particular that you wanted to bring up today, Miles? Well, uh, since we didn't put out an episode where we were talking about it, one D&D happened. Uh, it's starting to get put out. We did a whole big episode talking about the changes and some other things, uh, but it was bad. Uh, so that's where I'm going to stop on that. But it's interesting, and I'm looking forward to seeing where things go from here. Uh, and one of my favorite things to come out of it is that whole meme of, oh, time for people who don't have time to learn a new system to have to learn a new system. Uh... But I'm, I'm looking forward to things with that. But also, Spelljammer came out, and uh, many people were very upset by the Hadozi race, which, uh, extremely justifiably, they are upset because it is so horrifyingly fucking racist. Like, Wizards later put out an apology and was like, oh, this is something that, you know, we should have caught and we're, we're trying to learn. It's like... Literally anyone who worked on this fucking book should have been able to be like, hey, um, hmm, um, hey, uh, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we should adjust this, maybe we shouldn't be working with it like this. Hey, where'd we get the art for these characters? Did we maybe get the art for these characters literally fucking traced from minstrel show art? Did we literally fucking trace minstrel show art? for the art in our officially published book in the year 2022. My, Jay's thinking, is wondering if he missed it, but uh, uh, I don't know. I, I definitely did it. Uh, one of my few tweets that ever went and got more than like 10 likes by anyone was me commenting on I, that because I, I was just pretty fucking pissed that and day. I, and I remember I heard like, and I, it's going to be glib, but like was this, this was about the monkey people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the, the monkey people who were about, uh, I heard the rumblings. Who an external an external force came in and took them to make them an ideal slave race, and then the good slave masters freed them, and they're so grateful to them that they continue to serve them even to this day. Uh, and you know, they just they they love their they they love their former masters so much that they can't bear to, you know, do anything else. Like fucking Ugh. And and they put out an adjusted background for them, but that adjusted background is literally just, yeah, they're a race of humanoid uh, simian space travelers. And it's like, that's all that you needed, technically, but now you've created an opportunity for people's home explanations to be so much fucking worse. But, like... But, you know, I think that this race is a real lost cause. Uh, that's the joke. Okay. Personally, I just make them space monkeys. Yeah. You, space monkey people is great. Always do that. Yeah, when this was first popping off, because I'm preparing a Spelljammer campaign for, you know, however long it's going to take for the world to implode in our Monday game, uh, I'm preparing a Spelljammer campaign, and I was like, okay, I'm going to write up a totally new background for them. I'm going to go with this. And I liked it, and then I started to think about it for a little bit longer, and I was like, you know what? I don't need to go too heavy into this. If it matters to the players, like if a player is playing a Hadozi or it ties into a story that I want to tell or something, then I can flesh it out more. But like 
base level, I'm just gonna say they're 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 a spacefaring simian race. That's it. Uh, because that's all you really need at the beginning. And I know that I just went hard at Wizards for doing that exact same thing, but they're being paid to do it. My Monday group is not paying me for this, and I wouldn't ask them to. Don't think that this is me asking you to pay me for Monday games, Jays. Uh, I also just kind of find the idea, and if you noticed, uh, when I was working on my Astral Refrain thing, I tried to avoid giving specific cultures and histories to many of the uh, species in it, because... I was thinking, well, if there is so much space, how the hell could I cover culture like it's one monolithic thing for an entire space-faring creatures? Yeah. Like, a planet-by-planet basis, a country-by-country country on a planet, that's one thing, but I don't know. The When you tried to tell me about a space-faring uh, like, species, and you're like, yeah, this is all of their history. I was like, okay, I guess if they're just new to spacefaring, maybe, but I don't know. Yeah. My, my thought process was I wanted to, I wanted to at least like tie things back to specific places. I mean, I guess this is also kind of a GM's corner thing. Um, but like for the primary cultural impacts in this setting that I'm going to be working with y'all in for future Monday games, I kind of wanted to create like, focal points of large significance to different cultures, and one of those places was going to be the Hadozi homeworld. Um, and the homeworld for basically any of the primary movers. But also, like, I don't love the backstory I came up with for the Hadozi, in part because I came up with it because I thought, like, oh, okay, this will be a, a, you know, different thing, it won't be racist, hopefully, and it'll be like slightly more interesting. But Here, I've got a great, uh, I've got a great canon backstory for the Hadozi. Is that it was the villain character from the superhero monkey side plot from Dexter's Laboratory that I just posted the picture of Simeon, who became super intelligent, went out to outer space, but then he uh, married Agent Honeydew, and ten thousand years later, th that that's their children descendant into an entire hybrid super intelligent spacefaring ape people i mean i kind of like that better my idea was basically just ape escape the apes did us the apes escaped gravity the ultimate ape escape you escape uh, gravity you go into orbit did, did either see, of you two nerds play ape escape oh absolutely no. i played ape escape it was a fun game um never and played mine, any of the sequels though mine was a play on the whole like Oh, you know, infinite number of monkeys, infinite number of typewriters, you'll get Shakespeare. It's like, okay, what if you have an entire planet of, like, simian folks with, like, ability to use tools and everything, and it's a, it's like an interstellar junkyard planet, and a, a massive amount of uh, monkeys with an infinite supply of junk will eventually create space travel. But also, yeah, I don't love it, that's why I walked it back. But... We were sharing ideas, and I figured I'd share mine anyway. Uh, but yeah, so the whole thing with the Hadozi happened, and it it really, yet again, highlighted the fact that some people have no fucking media literacy whatsoever. It's like, they're, it's, it's fictional, it's fictional. Meanwhile, this is happening at the same time everybody's pissed off because, oh my god, elves are black. Elves are black, you guys. Oh, God, why are elves black? It's like, what, 
you can't just admit I'm not you're like racist. those ones. Yeah, no, you I I you know, elves elves just seem like they'd be white to me. I don't look at this clearly racist caricature and think that it's a racist caricature cuz it'd be racist to see that something is racist. Uh I'm not I'm not a big okay. fan of the industrial application of focus groups, especially with creative projects, but certainly you must have put this in front of people. Oh, this is a, a race of spacefaring uh primates and they're like and the person asks, "Okay, What's the uh, largest, like, what is the uh, largest and most prominent element of their culture and history? And the guy says, slavery. Well, see, that's the thing. They existed in old Spelljammer from, like, what, 20, 25 years ago? Possibly older. So, you know, it's it's fine. You know, everybody's just expecting the Hadozi to be back, so we don't need to take a look at it. I mean, clearly nothing was racist about old D&D. Not a single thing. They really thing. just must have copy-pasted it. They huh? really just need... Yeah. I, I didn't read it at all. They just need to get with the times, change your games. The new Harvest Moon, a wonderful life game, nuts. You'd be not just a boy, girl, same-sex marriage, but also non-binary. And I am so down for this farming uh, game influx. Um, but I <laughs> yeah. should not derail... Yeah, if you're listening to this, to date the episode, we just had the JRPG Nintendo Direct uh, yesterday. You, you could also just call it the J direct because yes. I am yes. like yeah. down it, for like 80% of that. Oh, yeah. but um, I actually have a, it's kind of news, kind of news. I could have brought this up a while ago. And so uh, I don't know so much about the creators, even though I have something by them. But uh, the creators or the publishers of uh, Bison that Nordic or Scandinavian horror game, uh, they are putting out a reimagined uh, Scandinavian um, uh, TTRPG that launched in 1982. I'm just going to read a little bit of the blurb. It's a Kickstarter. There's still a few more days left in it. If I get this episode out on time, you can Kickstart it. Um, it's a Drakkar Ach... Demoner? Demoner. Demoner. Sure, you gotta say, it, you gotta say it like you're uh, Scandinavian. Drakkar Ach Demoner. Yeah, we're just going to call by the English title, which is Dragonbane. Um, but it's uh, Scandinavia's first and biggest uh, tabletop RPG. Originally launched in 1982. They're celebrating its 40th anniversary with a new and reimagined edition. And I'm actually kind of curious because, you know, I've never heard of it before. And if this was like the biggest TTRPG in another continent for a while. Well, okay, another country on another continent, blah. But, um has art by the people that did Vice and uh and I kind of have to laugh that their description for the combat was uh where did they just oh uh, uh I think they described it as fast and furious which is like ah so you are just describing this combat as how Savage Worlds <laughs> describes its combat arguably um but I think it's its own system but it's also compatible with uh the mutant year zero uh, rule set. Uh, I'm not 100% on that. I'll be honest. Uh, it seemed really cool. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, try out other RPGs if you have the time and money to do so, especially RPGs from other countries. Yeah, sounds really cool. Uh, the last uh, bit of news. Uh, Dungeons Ooh, yeah, go ahead, Jay. Dungeons and Dragons is sort of like the overwhelming brand in the United States. And in a lot of other places as well. So uh, it's cool to see 
how, what the other overwhelming uh, intellectual property is for oh. tabletop do you, somewhere else. Do you guys know what the most popular tabletop game in Japan is? Uh, Hatsune Miku's Epic Idol. That's no, the lame joke. Lame. Huh. Weird. Lame national joke. I don't get it. Maz, you have any guesses? I mean, the way you're saying it makes me feel like it might be Ryutama, but I doubt it. No, 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 no. Um, it's uh, Call of Cthulhu. I don't like that. Uh, pe people like to make like pseudo visual novels with it for like horror ambiance, and I think uh, VTubers have gone really big into it now. No thanks. Uh, <laughs> I'm a I Call mean, of Cthulhu yeah, VTuber. No thank you. I would prefer not. Are you, <laughs> uh, you sure, Miles? I think you'd be a great Call of Cthulhu VTuber. Uh, oh, I think. Yeah. Who do you VTube as? It? Do you have like a character? A little. Uh... I think so. It's been a while since I read about this. Um, but I'm now just deciding what Miles' Miles's uh, VTube thing is going to be. A Twinkie anime boy with uh, cat ears. Because yeah, no, there we go. It's obvious. I mean, but, like, isn't that huge like huge cat ears? Isn't that like forty percent of VTubers? Yeah, I was gonna say puppy ears, but then I thought about like. Oh no, Cats? I'm a cat man. Oh, no. I'm a cat man. I yeah. know myself. Okay, but sorry, Miles. You had news and I have interrupted you repeatedly. Hey, that's what we do here. At least we're getting better at pausing and not doing as much crosstalk, kind of. Maybe. We'll see when the episode comes out. But uh, yeah, so last little bit of news. Uh, you may remember a company called New and UTSR putting out also horrifyingly racist content. Uh, and essentially claiming to be remnants of TSR. Uh, yeah, Wizards of the Coast has officially moved forward with a lawsuit against them. Before they were just threatening, they're actually, you know, pursuing legal action against new TSR for, um, oh, I can't remember exactly for what, but, uh, hey, yay, they, uh, might get slapped with so many legal fees that they can't put out their genuinely disgusting content that I believe explicitly has a like superior Aryan race uh relative to other humanoid races in that game fun usually i hate capitalistic takedowns but you know fuck it you this is the time wizards of the coast use all of that you know capitalism money for like the bare minimumist good swing that legal bludgeon over in this direction please if you <laughs> <Yeah>. must sometimes <laughs> Sometimes companies deserve to die. Uh, but yeah, that's the last bit of news that I think we have. Uh, do we want to do one of our mind games? Do we want to do some misspelling? Yes, please. Give us a spell and we'll rearrange some things. In this right. mind game, we take just 5e and probably we could do Pathfinder spells too if we ever felt like it. Um... And we just try changing the letters of the word to just see what other weird and funny spells we can come up with. What if a wizard set it to cast, but then flubbed it because he stuttered and now it comes out like this. Uh. All right. So first spell, uh, what do you think? Do we want one, two or three? Two. Two. All right. Time stop. Uh, time right off, stop. Right off the bat, my brain was going with time slop. Uh, it just <laughs> summons like a, a jumble of like 
goo and clock hands, and eating it either gives you a long rest or, like, an hour of- or a level of exhaustion or something. No, I would think a time slop would be, like, a Salvador Dali melted clock falls upon you like a big fried egg, and then you're sort of stuck in it. Hmm. Hmm. What about, a uh, Crime Stop? Just- you just stop crime. That's you if you see a bandit running away, you just cast Crime Stop on him, and then he suddenly doesn't have the bag of jewels, you have it. Yeah, it has a specific verbal component to the spell, and it's, Stop right there, criminal scum. That does always stop wait, somebody dead in their fucking wait, tracks when they have the, the conversation. Was that the Oblivion? Yes, that was the Oblivion thing. Okay. Stop! So I violated the law. Any and my heart. Okay, so I think... If we keep stop the same, and we can just change anything that rhymes with time. Mime. So, like, you don't want that, like, the bartender's, you know, reaching for the lime, but you don't want that in your drink. You <laughs> cast lime stop. Uh, if a mime's doing some shit you can't stand, you do mime stop. That was a great scene in Euro Trip. If things are, like, a little bit over-seasoned already, you could cast time stop. Ooh. Uh, what about brine stop? We're changing the word a bit, but it's a slant rhyme now. That's pretty slanted. Okay. What more can we do with the word stop then instead? So you, time, you, cast, you said slop. You cast time shop, and it immediately is a grandfather <laughs> clock store. You can uh, load up your wagon to go to Oregon with about 50 grandfather oh, clocks. But you also are able, there's like some old strange person that has like um, the sand dial. Wait, is that the right word I'm looking for? Uh, hourglass. Hourglass, wow, sand dial. Uh, hourglass that has like your remaining time left in it and you can shop for more sand for your hourglass. You can cast so, Time so Cop and uh, for the next like <laughs> minute of combat, you have Jean-Claude Van Damme as an ally. If you cast Time Cop, you can push somebody into another person and then they fuse and explode into jelly. <laughs> uh, or you could just cast Time Pop, which literally just causes a whole of time. Just break space-time as we know it. Let's add another O and make it time stoop. Ooh. And then you go... I don't know. You go hang out on the stoop smoking cigarettes with the other boys on the block. <laughs> yeah, time stoop is just like a different version of Leoman's tiny hut. It puts a stoop on whatever building is nearby and you can hang out there and take a long rest. Yeah, you can hang out there for like two hours after school, get some ice cream. Hmm. Okay. Alright. Oh. Hmm? If somebody's about to uh read a a dreaded curse from an enchanted grimoire in a in a haunted library, you say tome stop. Mm. Ooh. You could do time step to uh move back or forward in time a little bit. That's actually actually I, I really like that one. It's less catchy, but you've made it like an actual genuine, useful, and reasonable spell. Well, if we're making actual, genuine, useful, reasonable spells, I think that means we need to switch to a different spell. Yeah. Yes. Once we actually get sensible with it, it's time to move on. All right, so let's get uh, senseless with Swift Quiver. Swift Quiver. I don't have a typo change, but I do have a flavor change with this, and it's literally just you summon a, like, small cloud of swifts, like the birds, and you use that to attack somebody. I, this is too many letters, but all my mind, mind can go to is soft quiver, which has a very different connotation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. To get somebody in the mood. Um, <laughs> what if you cast swift 
Quipper, and then you can do Ooh, like mm. what's what's that bar thing where you insult someone and it hurts them? Weed and speak. Okay. What? No. <laughs> you can do weed and speak. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is. I know happening. in Pathfinder One that was called blistering invective, where you would insult somebody, and if you successfully demoralized them, they also took fire damage. Do you mean cutting words? Cutting words. Okay. Oh, yeah. So this is an AOE cutting words. A swift quipper. You do it. It's like less damage overall, but you can hit like multiple targets. Mm, or maybe it gives you the ability to do it as a reaction for the next couple rounds or something. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. What about Shift Quiver? Swift Quilter. Shift Quiver, you just, like, move around somebody's ammunition. Oh, God, no, now I actually have to pay attention to how many arrows I have. <laughs> oh, God. Just kidding, you... our resource management episode is next one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, you've spoiled! Okay, oh. st sorry for getting a little blue with it, but you could say shaft quiver, which makes somebody's dick vibrate for enhanced <laughs> sensations. The word quiver is just intention- Yeah, just I mean, it is. How do you keep from getting lewd with quiver over here? You know, it's fine. I remember the episode of CW's The Flash where they dealt with that exact issue. And no, oh, I am God. not- Jeez. I am not joking. They- they had a whole sequence about Flash's vibro dick. Uh, Swift Giver. No. Swift Giver. <laughs> that's, that's what Santa casts on Christmas. <laughs> what do you think? Okay. I think this one's tough. Yeah, this Quiver's one... Quiver's a hard word, but if we rhyme... The, like... This one... When I, was, when I was assembling these, I was like, okay, Swift Quiver is weird, but I think we'll be able to get weird with it. Okay, uh, what about Switch Liver? Switch wow. Liver. Oh, now God. we're talking. <laughs> Switch Liver. I, I have no follow-up to that one. It just teleports your liver into theirs and theirs <laughs> into yours. So it's kind of like, it's a prisoner. It's a, um, it's a, what, I think maybe it's like a quizzoner's, fuck me. Uh, like the prisoner's dilemma about which of you drinks more. <laughs> maybe it has like a time that eventually it has to go back. So like, you could just do, it's like. Oh no, I'm just cutting this out and doing bad things to it, but it's gonna switch back and you gotta take all that damage. I'm going to have so much, uh, I'm gonna have so much, uh, fuck, what's the word? Internal bleeding? I'm gonna have so much hard liquor and aspirin <laughs> at the same time. You can't stop me. See, now I'm just thinking about writing a mystery campaign that involves, like, a hemetomancer or something. Somebody who is going around switching people's organs with magic. <laughs> okay, I love that. Okay, I'll prepare for that uh, when we get to your Starfinder game eventually. Shit, wait, no, if I put that into the Starfinder game, then that's just that's just Garrus Vicarian's loyalty mission from Mass Effect 1. That's just hunting down Dr. Salion again. Oh, don't worry, I haven't played the game in a decade, so I don't remember it. How the fuck did I remember Dr. Salion's name? <laughs> what is wrong with my brain? Like, I, how does this guy have a hard time getting an ADHD diagnosis? Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, okay, Miles, hit us with that last word. The last word is mind spike. Mind spike. Find spike. If, find if you were looking for, for a needle in a haystack, you would find spike. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Mind spike. Mid mind spike. strike. Mid spike. Okay. It's like mind speak, which is uh, it's like mind reading, but it just broadcasts to everybody. So like everyone in an area can hear what one person's thinking. 
What would Mind Sneak be? Many letters changed off of Spike, but uh, maybe- Wow, you're right. Don't mind, I don't know what just happened with my- that, That's not even- I mean, Mind Sneak would just be essentially what, at one point in our Monday game, I had Jay do to your character, Jay, and as he was uh, mind reading your character, rolling like, essentially mental stealth to avoid being detected as a presence in your mind. What about just mind spook? And it like gives them fear debuff or something. Ah! They, mind like, spire. You made them think about something scary. Mind spire. It creates like a small little mage's tower. But out of your mind? No, I, th I, I thought that would be like the Wojak that has the brain that's so big that it like turns into a tower. <laughs> What about Grind Spike? You just like... At the club. <laughs> grinding on Spikes. I mean, Spike's very handsome, but no, I was thinking more like you just summon a massive horde of Spikes and grind your opponent down with them. Wind Spike. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, that one's just... That's like just normal wind damage. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. Send Spike. It's just a it's just a thrown spike weapon attack, but you do it with magic instead. Send spike. Oh, like that dude in X Men Three. Spike. No, that guy. So not not Storm's nephew from X Men Evolutions, but the guy who was definitely a similar power uh, character from X Men Three: The Net The Last Stand. Yeah, his name was like Quill. Or I think they were non-binary. Uh, I believe his name was Spike, and he eventually joined up with the Morlocks, which was weird. But uh, we're not going to get into the Morlocks here, because that's a whole other thing. Alright, that's a that's a misspelling, everybody. Yeah, I, we, I got nothing more. Yeah, I got nothing more. Yeah, I knew Time Stop would be our big, our, our big thing from this trio. But anyway. Uh... Should we move to a little GM's corner? Sure. <laughs> None of us are GMing currently, so what yeah, does that mean? Yeah, I know. Uh, so I mean, I've been I've been working on a little something, and I'm happy oh, to pick some brains. So I, like I said, I'm preparing to run a Starfinder, or not Starfinder, a um, oh, a Spelljammer campaign later on in our in this year, I guess. Uh. And I was looking at Starfinder a decent bit because you know I saw the I saw the rule book in Barnes and Noble the other day. I was like, eh, you know what? I'll finally pick up the rule book. I'll dig through Starfinder, and I like it to a degree. There's definitely like aspects of Starfinder that really influenced the development of Pathfinder 2, which I think has some great character creation in it. Um, and I think there are aspects of Starfinder that I want to carry over into 5e and like want to adjust things a little bit. But one of those things was I like some of the character classes and class abilities in Starfinder. And I think that that could be an interesting thing to bring into 5th edition. The problem I'm running into is I feel like that's putting a bit of a hat on a hat. It's, it's giving 5e characters more things to do and worry about especially since this section of the campaign is going to start out at a higher level like we're going to be starting out at like 8th or 10th level somewhere in there Ooh. 
I'm excited. I don't think I've started that high of a level in a game before. Right? Yeah, I want to get into some, like, crazy space shit. But, but like, um, there's the Solarian class in Starfinder that is all about, like, having this small moat of solar energy that goes with you, and you can draw power from it. Um, there was actually a very similar playable class in your Astral Refrain game, Jay. Uh, and it was, or no, it was a playable race, maybe? I don't remember now. But it, it's it's this really cool thing, and it's like, it can tie into warlocks and clerics especially well for 5e. And I've just been working on that, and I guess to get a little bit of input from y'all, Getting a couple more class abilities, or maybe replacing some class abilities, treating it like a subclass sort of thing. How would you feel about working with that, given it'd be something new to you and a little bit developmental? I love that kind of shit. First of all, I love having options. Um, It's honestly, and I love giving my players options in games. Anytime there's like variant rules, it's like, yeah, if you want to give people more feats or edges or whatever, I'm like, yeah, sure, everyone, get more things. I'm not concerned about you getting overpowered. Take options that are fun. Um, um, oh, there's also a big thing for technicians in Starfinder for getting power armor, and uh, that is definitely something that I'm going to adapt into 5e. Power armor will exist in our system, uh, because here's the thing, an NPC you will recognize from... Well, actually, you might not recognize because you barely paid attention to the NPCs, but an NPC you theoretically might recognize from our Icewind Dale campaign is going to be coming back. He has built himself a personal mobile suit that is space-capable. Like, at the point oh, we're at in our Monday that... game, he has already built it. Oh. <laughs> It's the mayor that our rogues character kept kicking in the door to his room. He's uh, gone to space. Uh, oh, unfortunately, uh, I already know what happens with the town of Tourmaline. If if our world continues to completely fucking implode in our Monday game, which uh, for those of you listening who aren't a part of that game, the Name Eater King just ate Asmodeus's name, so at least one level of hell and a an enormous court in the Feywilds have just absolutely imploded. Uh, the entire planet is fucked, which is why we're going to be going to space next, and why we, would, we won't be able to just go back to our planet. Like, there will be a canon reason why you can't just go back after a little. Hey, my character can go home, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your character can go home. Unless you figured out something about that, but... Um... I Also, I take no responsibility on our Monday game for this. Because mm -hmm. my character is a dumb little dog boy man person who just wants to help his friends. I take some responsibility for the state of our Monday game in that occasionally Zoe will send me questions asking me how it would impact my idea of the world, and nine times out of ten, my interpretation is the way that does not work out better for us. 
Uh, the, the briefest, like, aside is we keep getting told how we're destroying things in this game from NPCs and our characters like, how though? How are we doing this? How are we so dangerous? But... Yeah, we are, we are the fated dumbasses who just kicked, we kicked a rock in the wrong direction and it set off a chain reaction that caused an avalanche to destroy, like, half of the fey courts. Oh, god damn it. Uh, but it is a fun game. And we have unleashed a Tamagotchi of chaos that no cousin of the stars can roll back to. You mean and a Katamari? Let's what did I say? Tamagotchi? Fuck me! That's so embarrassing. I was wondering what a Tamagotchi cousin was. I thought it was a uh, Care Bear cousin. I gotta walk this off. Oh, but... But... You know what? Let, no, don't let it be said that Miles is not someone who will destroy his world for the sake of a plot. No, I'll destroy my world for the sake of having a good opening to the next campaign. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, good news is, this theoretically might not carry over into the plane of water, so all those people who are in wetness protection right now uh, are theoretically okay. Uh, okay, but uh, that's about enough of our uh, game. Um, yeah. But no, Miles, I think you should deal with that. And if you need any input, or if you there are any classes you think I'd be interested in playing, a mainly magic, tech, mad, mm -hmm. magitech classes that you're working on in particular, and you want me to look at, just send them my way. Yeah. There was something I was specifically thinking about for uh, a previous character of yours that has to do with technicians fusing with artificers. So like maybe artificers who have a, uh, a warforged companion type deal would be able to turn that companion into a mobile suit. I kind of fucking love that. And I might have to talk to you about this after the podcast later <laughs> about this. I mean, realistically, it's just combining all three forms of, uh, 5e artificer. It's combining the armorer, it's combining the uh, artillerist, and it's combining the uh, the one with the, you know, steel defender. It's just creating all three and fusing them into one lovely little combo platter. Uh, initially, I was actually thinking of having y'all uh, remake your characters, pretty much, in Starfinder, and then I started making some 5e characters into Starfinder characters, and I realized I just didn't like that as much. Like, half of our NPCs f that would theoretically come about into this new thing were just um, the, like, emissary or whatever the social, the main social class in Starfinder is. Yeah, so... I, I've gone through a couple of different versions of how I want to make the game play, and I'm sure I'll go through several more as we actually play it. Boop boop doop. Casper Duo Language Audible VPN. Order your food clothes from the subscription box. Come on down. Use the discode. Hello, deodorant. Yeah, let me let me hold on. Let me go to my MeUndies account and see if I can just put my personal uh, referral link in here instead. Oh, it's all about me undies. <laughs> what about us undies? All right. That's hypothetically, <laughs> if we ever get a sponsor, <laughs> we'll do something like that. This would be the natural breaking point. We go off into the... Our r slash RPG horror story posted by user Rivet Geek. The Cat Shit House. 
A buddy of mine wanted to start a Jovian Chronicles game, but I couldn't find enough local players. I put out an ad on some website or another, this was 2002-2003, and got a response. A group of three people looking for a game about 30 minutes away. We met them for coffee, and they seemed alright. It was a husband and wife and their friend. Appropriately nerdy, no red flags. They didn't have transportation, so we agreed to play at their place. We made it clear that my friend was chronically asthmatic, as in on a lung donor list. As an aside, he succumbed to his asthma and passed away a few years later. Shit. They, they said they had cats, but they would clean before we played and contain the cat. We decided we'd give it a shot. He had a portable breathing machine just in case, and he did all right around his parents' pets. Flash forward to the first game. We arrive and this place smells like cat shit. It wasn't very clean either. They apologized and said that they hadn't been able to clean very well because one of them had been sick, but was better. They assured us they had changed the cat boxes, but one of the cats must have just used one. Windows get opened and Febreze gets sprayed. Remember I said my friend is asthmatic. We play through the first session and things go mostly okay. The friend is a little weird. The husband is coughing up a storm. They promise they'll clean up better next time. On the way home, my friend and I talk. He said he was willing to give it another try, despite their complete lack of concern for his condition. I point out that if the husband was sick or the place wasn't clean, they should have called the game off, and I'd tell them that. Once I got home, I emailed them. My friend is asthmatic. If someone is sick, call off the game. If they can't clean beforehand, call off the game. Uh, Febreze makes things worse. They responded positively. We go back a couple of weeks later, and the place is cleaner, but it still smells like cat shit. After playing for a bit, my friend suddenly got up, went to the door, and motioned for me to come outside. I excused myself, figuring he had something character-related to tell me. He says, There's cat shit everywhere. What? I got my shoe in some of it under the table. He lifts up the shoe to show me the bottom. Go back in and look. Once we went back inside, I took a discreet look around, and sure enough, there are cat crap landmines scattered around. Near the walls or the corners. They weren't all new, either. I asked to use the bathroom. I noticed the shit smell was more pungent in the hallway leading to the bathroom, and sure enough, I found cat shit in the bathroom. Some had even been smeared on the wall and poorly cleaned. At least I hoped that that was cat shit. I came back and apologized, saying I had gotten a call from home and we needed to go. That night, I sent the couple an email saying we wouldn't be continuing the game. Uh, how polite... Uh, that is uh, the story of the cat shit house by user Revit Geek. How... A polite of the <laughs> author to just say we won't be continuing the game. Okay. So there's you know, that's something we don't usually talk about in this, and we don't usually see that in RPG horror stories. Is there's a lot of reasons that people's uh you know living space maintenance and hygiene can suffer due to mental illness. I'm gonna get that out of the way, and they did seem very apologetic, like they were pretty aware of the state of things. But it was a couple weeks later, and there were so many multiple instances of cat shit, old and new. The big question that comes to my mind is just how many cats did they have? Uh, okay. As a person who has fostered kittens, cat shit will get everywhere. But you also have to clean it. Like, it's not like it appears from nowhere, and you definitely still smell it when it happens it do they just have like a cognitive blindness to it like maybe they, like, they got too used to it they don't even notice it anymore i mean that might be a certain degree of thing i mean i know that's definitely a thing like if you live in a house with pets over time you start you stop noticing the smell of the pets uh just like 
I'll give an example. When we were doing construction on our house, we had to move our uh, litter boxes from time to time. And having a litter box in a place I'm not used to smelling a litter box made me notice it more. Uh, but, like, this goes so far beyond that. This goes so far beyond that. I don't even know what else to say about it. Uh, Damn bitch, you no, live like this? I think it's really just... Well, I mean, I guess the other players weren't... Um, it's something that we never really brought up in any of our episodes talking about table etiquette because, you know, cleanliness is subjective and, you know, I'm a disorganized mess. Uh, ADHD does that to you and I have cognitive blindness of a lot of stuff. Um, not that, but... We haven't covered um, it because it, it feels like one of those things you shouldn't have to say. You shouldn't have to say, don't host people if you've got shit all over the place. Well, I guess there is probably something to be said, like, we haven't talked much about needs of, how do I want to phrase this? Pets do cause certain restrictions on where you can and can't play games. And yes. I'm just going to use a more general example of right now, Jay and I are staying with his parents, um, and we have our dog here, but their dog really really hates other dogs so precious baby prince boy who does nothing wrong uh pretty much just sticks with me all day and we kind of shuffle the dogs around throughout the house i don't want to have a role-playing game ideally at a friend's house during the weekends if we're doing an in-person game because i try to restrict the amount of times i just leave cisco alone in the room to a bare minimum um so I'm just saying, uh, there are things, pets are actually a discussion point. Um, if I knew someone had this like their house and they were GMing a game, I'd be like, can we have this anywhere else? Can we go to the library? I think from what I understood from the context clues in this, this, the people of this house were three people that did not have the ability to drive between them. Um, or maybe just access to a car. Maybe that's mm -hmm. how it was. But there has to be some sort of reasonable public space nearby. Unless they're really trapped out in the suburban sprawl. And here's here's an example. Here, here's a fun thing that you could do in this situation. Play online. Yeah. Oh, well, this was like 2003. Oh, this was 2003. Okay, yeah, that's fair. If this were to come up now, you could just play online. Uh, but yeah, 2003, you weren't going to be able to do that. And even playing online, we struggle with like the reality of everybody having pets. We have a friend who has a dog constantly making noise in the background because <laughs> he is a weird little freak. Yeah. But, you know, that's something we manage. And I, I have a cat with separation anxiety who, you know, yells at the door if I don't have it open for him and will just jump all over the place and like step all over my keyboard if I don't, you know, hold him for 90% of our session. He's very sweet, but sometimes it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, these are just the realities you have to deal with. But, oh my god. So, not really an easy way to transition to the topic. So let's start talking about the topic. Yeah, taking ownership of a 
of a cannon. Now, I have a peer-to-peer -peer experience in this just in the last week. I had, like, a scene I was trying to do. I didn't really plan it uh, well with our other player, but, like, it would have made certain implications about their backstory, like childhood. And I sort of, like, threw it out. I did tell them, like, hey, would you mind rolling with me on, like, if I may, try to, like, propose an idea for something in your character's backstory. Um, she decided against it, and it didn't really go that way, and I sort of scrambled for what to do next, because that was my idea. Uh, Cancelled. But uh, it was fair enough for her to just say, like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, and so you're starting off with a bit of a, uh, like, interpersonal... Er, player to player. Yeah. As opposed to... GM and or player to the like written canon of the books, which okay, I, you don't need to pretend that you care about the written canon of books. That's yes, that's my perspective right out the gate. Is that like I feel like that is an immediately answerable question of there's no like rule, there's no uh, setting book police that's going to like uh, render your game uh, inert or like hold it in contempt of canon. That's it. That's the title, Held in Contempt of Canon. Uh, well, here's the thing about that. If you are running, like, an Adventures League, there are absolutely people who are going to do that. Um, because being part of an official Adventures League out of, like, a game shop means that you are theoretically playing within the canon of the Forgotten Realms, and, like, there are certain expectations that get put on that and specific things that you're required to do or not do. And it's, it's a really weird bureaucratic mess to a certain degree. Uh, but that's also a lot of people's introduction to this whole thing is like bare minimum. I feel like every, every group that like brings in new players, like half of them have a player that is just really, really interested in knowing as much of the lore as possible. And so if something comes into it where it's like, oh, well, that's that's not quite canon, then you have to, you know, struggle with that a little bit. It creates a little bit of a tension point, I feel like, sometimes. Yeah, and while as much as I'd like to say you can just throw away canon, it, everyone needs to be on the same page mm -hmm. of that. And that's a lot of canon to go through. And that also implies that you as the creator... Like, you as the creator are never going to know everything about canon. I'm saying creator. If you're the GM, you're even if you are the GM, you're not going to know everything of the canon. Yeah. Even though, like, the joke is you're god of the world, it's like, no. Mm -hmm. What if you're in an adventures league and maybe just sort of, like, post on somewhere publicly? Like, this proposal to canon alteration has been proposed... For the sake of doing an interesting character thing, does anyone have, like, please state anonymously any qualms you have with this alteration? That's a really interesting way of going about that. I think that's a, I think that's a cool idea. Uh, the downside of that is Adventures League is like a larger thing operated by Wizards of the Coast, but I like that idea for something more like a private company. Uh, I'm going to use yeah, a Yeah, sorry, non I, I don't know what Adventure League is at all. It's uh, official Dungeons & Dragons games. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use a non-named example from a job I recently applied for. Uh, they have all of their things set in the Forgotten Realms so that, they're, so that their players all have, like, a frame of reference to work off of. 
but they outright said in the interview process, like, your water deep is going to look different from my water deep, and that is okay. So long as we have the same number of moons and things are roughly, like, laid out similarly in terms of the continents, we're good. And that's that's a good way to approach that. That's a that's a good way to have that work out is just like so long as the big shit is the same, getting like really narrow and nitty-gritty on it and like making sure, okay, well, I just built this part of Waterdeep for part of a session, uh, and now, you know, that's canon to our entire company's Waterdeep. That'd be ridiculous. That'd be way too much for anyone to manage. But like I, I like that idea of you're using this setting to provide context to players to immediately jump into something, but you don't, you don't need to be shackled to every bit of it. Um, like we talked about at the outset with the Hadozi, you're using Starfinder, or not Starfinder, Spelljammer. You're using Spelljammer. Awesome. Great. You can use Spelljammer. You don't have to use the canon Hadozi background. You can do other things with it. You can make it not racist. There, there's a lot that can be done with it. Um, Jay, you were actually saying something on our Discord earlier uh, with The Quiet Year, which I thought was really cool and we could talk about in in this episode. Uh, you, you had a question about whether The Quiet Year could be used on something that was already an established setting, I guess, rather than, you know, creating your own setting from the ground up with it. Um, do you mind expanding on that a little bit? Because I think it's an interesting topic for us to talk about here. Sure, and I can bring... We've been discussing uh, running a kind of... Because everything out there is these days, uh, sort of like farming resource management TTRPG uh, using Savage Worlds. And we the only thing we haven't got down yet is um, what setting we want to use in, it for, or in it. And it's just, we keep being like, oh, do we want to use our spacefaring uh, Astro Refrain? Did we want to use this? Um, but, like, Quiet Year... I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. I, I kind of would like to use the Quiet Year to help set tone and also get people's expectations as to what they think the tone and what's going to happen in the game is going to be. And honestly, that's part of the reason why... I, I think we all in agree or are in agreement that... You should change canon to what suits the needs of your table. Yeah. Um, we are also very lucky insofar that anyone at one of our tables is going to be all for that. But you're not going to always run into people like that. And sometimes, as you said, it doesn't even need to be a new player. Just you will run into people. Um, my one GM ran a Midgard game and he cared so much about the canon of like how everyone would be treated that the rest of us who did not care and just were kind of going into it unaware like were just blindsided by the fact like I played a tiefling and everyone treated my character like shit in this game and I was like oh wow my poor small bean boy is just becoming very quickly jaded and hates everyone in this world because everyone is so cruel and you know he's like well that's just how people would respond to tieflings and oh um i'm not trying to throw my friend under the bus 
but uh, my um, other player, he was playing a very beautiful, feminine, androgynous uh, bard. Like, um, I think it's Faye touched in that. Mm. And he was, again, like supposed to be a be very beautiful, pretty boy. But everywhere he went, because, okay, this one I think my GM was projecting a little bit. But, like, most of the men would just, like, laugh at him because he was very feminine. And, and it's like, come on, dude, let me do something with my bard. But I'm just saying there are people out there that care a lot about how things are written. Yeah. And, you know, to um, a certain degree, there are, there are interesting things. Uh, uh, there, there are interesting things in the canon that you can work with. Um... I mean, I even did it with our uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden game. I took some of the things that were canon, and I used it to... I used canon to extrapolate things that weren't in the original module. Like, why the hell Asmodeus or uh, Levistus care at all what's happening there? I used their canon existences and their canon motivations in the exterior narrative to inform the interior narrative. And that can be really fun. That's a fun thing to do with canon sometimes that I really like. But also, sometimes it doesn't work and you need to mess with it a little bit too. Like, uh... Theoretically, like, oh, well, this this character is canonically this and, you know, these gods had a falling out and they would never want to... They, they would never, you know, work with each other. Their clerics would never work with each other. Who cares? This is in the interest of party cohesion. Or yeah, are they characteristically would never like work with each other, or is that just like a side detail of the dynamics between I don't know these two deific factions? Or if you want to work with that, have that be a source of tension between those characters that you resolve in play that slowly develops as they grow to bond together as party members but there's there's a real hesitancy to take ownership of a canon of whatever story you're telling as much as people like to say like oh the gm is god oh why is this like this because i said so it's my table like as much as people like to say that there is a real hesitancy especially among newer gms to take ownership of the canon you get to decide how a thing is like with the tiefling thing, you get to decide whether people are actually shitty to tieflings or not as, like, a society. You don't have to stick with that. You don't have to be like, oh, well, yeah, no, there's, you know, structural inequality amongst the amongst the drow versus the goblins in the Underdark or, like, all of these different things. Like, you, you can just say no to that. You can just say that you don't like it and move on. Because guess what? It is your table. Some things, some things can be taken out, and that's okay. Um, I don't know, it's... Because at the end of the day, it really does come down to confidence. You don't have to rewrite all of the canon, you can just ignore it. And I think yeah, that's, I, that's one of those things that people really struggle with, is the idea of like, well, if I'm taking this away, I need to come up with a new explanation. No, you don't. You don't have to come up with a new explanation. If it requires explanation later, then you can come up with one. And maybe do it with your players, too. I'm a big advocate for, like, making up a convolution. Like, these deities' followers would never interact with each other. And it's like, 
Yeah, but what is the one situation where they, the deities would, like, put aside their differences for, like, some goal? What what would that be like? They Invent, like, they, a new, invent a new thing that, like, allows some sort of synthesis of, like, dissonant concepts. They're, uh, they're partnered on the same stand at the, uh, at the annual bake sale. Oh, no. They, they They've, both got assigned to uh, protect a bag of flour like a baby for a week. Oh, God. See, that's the thing. Now I'm just imagining, like, passive-aggressive competitive cookie tables for all of the town's, like, biggest uh, clerical factions. And I really like that. Get some, get some fucking, like, Midwestern Baptist energy to these competing cookie tables. <laughs> Get a big t-shirt that says, this is our getting along shirt, and put both of the deities in it. <laughs> oh, there's oh, but there's I, a lot that you can do with things. Um, I hadn't really thought about people using the lore. I don't want to say necessarily as a crutch, but I hadn't even thought about that, because, you know, I, it, it probably does make a lot of GMs, especially newer GMs, feel really comfortable or more comfortable with running because there's like no i know what would happen i understand the lore although for me that would make me all nervous the second i don't know the lore it's like oh god i can't tell you what's happening because i don't know um do you think somebody's gonna like uh hide behind the concept of well it's canon just to do something they want or like avoid something they don't want yes yes mm-hmm um no there's there's a lot there's a lot to work with on there. Um, realistically, one of the biggest things I can recommend is if you want to adjust the canon of wherever you're, you know, doing this thing, whatever setting you're working with, talk to your players. And, you know, we talked about this in the, you know, having players take ownership of the world building episode. Talk to your players and have them help you build out the canon. Because that's so much more fun, and it draws them in and makes them want to ask questions about the canon. It makes them want to actually, like, think about things on a macro scale. Which can be really fun. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it can also lead to your world imploding. But, uh... <laughs> but in general, it's, it's just, it's really cool. And you know what? As far as, as much as I'm going to be giving everyone in this group shit for making this world that I made for them implode, uh, I wouldn't trade a minute of this story because I fucking love the story we've been telling together. And that's the most important thing. Whether it's canon or not, or like reasonable to the lore or not, or whatever, it's fun. You're supposed to be the having real canon fun. was just the experiences we had. Yeah, the real the the true lore was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> oh my god. Also, oh. we were we might be imploding this world right now, but uh Zoe has also been establishing like time loops, so it can we can contrive something. We can contrivance our way out of this. It's just not if I have anything realms. to say about it. It's just the Forgotten Realms. Who cares? Yeah, there's a reason they're forgotten. It's because we blew them up. <laughs> I don't think we'll be able to girl boss gatekeep gaslight our way out of this one. Listen, we've already established Galarian as a, to a canonical place in this space time now, so I guess we have to just play all of our games in Pathfinder world now.
Yeah. 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 You know Ugh. what? That's speaking of players taking ownership of the canon. That is something that Jay did uh, before our Frost Maiden game began. Is decided to make one of her characters be from Galarian, and so then it's like, all right, Galarian just exists as a separate world from Faerun, and that's that was actually before. Um, oh, what's it called? This one. We actually during our first game, that one. We just said, my planet, this other oh, planet. <laughs> I was getting so sick of that. Because it's like, yeah, uh, I can't, and like, we were referring to this planet by the town name. And it's like, no, nope, that wouldn't work. Uh, and we had a few choices for them, because we did use some 5e choices, but, uh, I don't know. I think we thought it was just kind of fun, because uh, we were playing in Pathfinder for this setting, or this campaign, just to use that. But... Yeah, you know what? Take ownership of canon. I don't think we were ever going to not say that. Um, discuss it with your players. Always talk with your players. Or maybe you want to change a pace and you're going to pick a new setting book and be like, okay, canon only. Hard canon. Uh, because sometimes creativity comes out of confining environments mm -hmm. instead of uh, freeform environments. That is true. And that's our synthesis for the week. Uh, speaking as someone who has who has run a couple of games in Aberon, uh, but can't be can't be bothered to learn everything about the setting of Aberon, you can do a lot without knowing the official lore. There are some important things I think if you're going to be working with an official setting, like knowing that Aberon destroyed itself because they used Magitek chemical weapon nuke shit. Uh, and that's part of why Warforged exists. I think that's an interesting thing that can add to that. Like, that is my argument for things with canon, is sometimes it can really give you some interesting stuff to work with. Uh, because sometimes the canon is fucking cool. Like, uh, looking at the map for official Spelljammer, there's just big zones in interstellar space where there are dead gods just like ruins of dead gods and i am working with that shit and you know i just had a kind of last second one final thought on it in this subject is jay is going to be running a root game for our friends soon and he didn't want to use the like main factions in the uh core book uh but while we were just discussing, like, one of the factions he was... Because we were just uh, passing time on, uh, like, an, uh, what, two-hour drive? And one of the factions, I can't even remember what it was at this point, was pretty much just the Marquis de Cat, one of the primary factions of there. But you were like, yeah, colonialist, blah, 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 blah. I was like, but that already kind of exists. And it's like, yeah, you can change it, but I also stand by... If you're going to go about changing the lore, you should probably at least know some of it. Otherwise, you're going to put a lot more time on yourself. Because we were struggling to come up with any factions in the car. Which we could have just read the fact that that was in there. Mm. I think I kind of garbledy gooked a sentence there. Or statement there. Oh, and I with that, you. we can wrap it up. Where are other projects? All our projects are on mimicsmarket.com. Miles and I have a podcast with our friend where we read children's books, and months later, I upload the episode. <laughs> it's no. called On Air Book Fair. Uh, 
Jay and I are working on setting up a store. We're making all sorts of uh, cute little designs with a uh, laser cut wood and resin that are coming coming to the forefront soon. Yeah. Uh, Gosh willing. I also just recently started uh, streaming. I, I do little streams where I'll open a bunch of booster packs. After we record tonight, I'm actually going to be recording, or I'm going to be streaming, opening a bunch of Dominaria, Dominaria United packs, the most recent magic expansion. Gonna be looking for some cat boys. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of Ajani in this, and he's the handsome he's the handsome lion man that everyone wants to have sex with. And you should check it out. I've uh, been lurking on some of Miles's streams. I should have said something, but I could only think of silly bits that would have distracted you from your work. But I've been lurking in a few of your streams so far. Oh yeah, they've distract been all very me nice. from my work of fucking talking for an hour and 45 minutes straight with no one to bounce things off of how dare you okay yeah but it was like going to be like i don't know i don't even remember i just thought it was like oh i shouldn't say that yeah i have a i would have a question you open up two magic cards and be like hey if any two cards from this uh from this little packet you just pulled uh had to have sex who would which cards would you make have sex with each other uh but oh, I I am doing like a little fun thing when I do magic things. I use a couple of I use a couple of packs to make like a character background for an RPG character. And when I open Pokemon sets, I have I use them to like draft a Pokemon team and fight each other. Wow! But it's, and, that, and all that can be found on MimicsMarket.com. Yeah, I think my Twitch channel is not on Mimics Market, but it is in my link tree, and it's uh, Twitch.tv/AvatarKiora. The website's still going under some construction, but everything will be all linked there. Jay and I are going to begin streaming again on Sunday mornings soon. Don't wait up on that. Uh, within, like, the next two or three weeks, though. Bloody Mon uh, bloody Mary Sundays. Like, comment, subscribe. You can send us a voicemail on anchor.fm slash shooting the sheet. And, uh, that's it. Uh, we're I done. Think, Goodbye. I think we're actually anchor.fm slash mimics market. Shooting the sheet is a different thing. Yeah, I think it's Mimics Market. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night. I just got one for Swift Quiver. Fuck. Uh, when your job is shit and you cast Shift Quitter. <laughs>